0: Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. Amen. That's a good word. I know this sounds like church speak, but if you haven't gone back and watched last week, if you weren't here for last weekend's message, then go back. Get caught up. The Lord will speak to you minister to you through that. Hey, before you get too comfortable, stand on your feet. In a shocking development, we are going to start today from Psalms 105, verse 19. This is our keynote verse. We're taking it to heart, memorizing it, and so it's on the screens. Would you read that with me? Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. One more time. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Let's pray. Lord, today, by Your Holy Spirit, we ask that You would transform us. God, it wouldn't just be knowledge, but our hearts would be transformed and drawn to You. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, today we're going to go through test eight and nine, 10 total tests through the life of Joseph that we are walking through, seeing the, the, the development of character. And if you began this journey with us, we, we started with the life of Joseph, seeing that God gave him a dream at a, at a young age, at 17 years of age. God gives him this dream. And now we are walking through and seeing how that God has grown his character through these tests that we see and identify so that his character is able to support those dreams. God gave him dreams and and these dreams spoke leadership over his life. And I just want to remind you like we started that your dreams are not your destiny. Dreams are wonderful. At 17 years of age, there's this place, and really at any age, that God has this ability when He speaks to our heart and He gives us a picture of what He wants to do through our lives, they're wonderful. They take us out of the mundane. They take us out of just the limitations that we see in our own lives. And He has this way of going, hey, there's so much more that I have for you. It's wonderful. But as we see the life of Joseph, Joseph's dream, it wasn't that it was too big. As he walks into his destiny, his dream was actually very small compared to the destiny that God had for him. His dream was simply leadership. His dream, the best that he could see with his dream was that his family would bow down And that he would be in a leadership position much smaller than the destiny that God walks him to where the entire world is there coming to him for salvation because of the wisdom that God gave him in the midst of a famine. So much bigger. And I just want to remind you that that dreams are wonderful, but God has something a lot bigger than just the dreams that we see in our own lives. And the necessity for those dreams and our destiny to happen is that we have character that can support them. And we've walked through these character tests. And and I just want to encourage you with with this, that the character tests, they don't get easier. (laughs) They they, they don't just get, um, you know, simpler. God goes after our heart. And the more that we walk with Him, He he goes to places, and, and I'd like to say it this way, the deeper we go in the destiny God has for us, the deeper the character that will be required. Deeper destiny, deeper character required. David said this in Psalm 39, he said, When you discipline us for our sins, you consume like a moth what is precious to us. He said, you, you go after our hearts, Lord. You go after the places that we protected, that we didn't let anyone else see. You go to a depth in us that we didn't expect. But we know it's because of the care that God has for us. He is unwilling to allow us to walk with Him when weakness of character where we cannot support what He's called us to do. And so he's stirring us, and I I love just hearing the feedback from from different ones, as Pastor Phil has shared, and I've shared, and and just the way that God's stirring, not just dreams up, but a hunger for him, so that we have character to support those dreams. Somebody say, amen. So we're going to pick up in Joseph's life. We're going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, We've gone from him being despised by his brothers, living in pride, thrown in a pit, and to prison, and now we find him, he is second in command in a pagan land, going from prison to the palace of Pharaoh, second in command, seeing how much bigger the destiny that God had for him was than his dreams, and so he's walking these things out, and we don't have the instance that he passes these tests. Because the, the tests that we're going to walk through today, they're, they're, they're at a depth in our hearts that you can't just see from the outside. It's tough to record. The, these, are, these are tests that, that, that come out of the fruit of our lives. They're repeating places in our lives. They're, they're, they're circle places that we come back to again and again and again. The first test, we're going to go through two today, eight and nine. The first test is the prosperity test. Now, listen, you don't have to apologize. I don't have to apologize. We don't have to be ashamed of being able to, to grow up and live in a very prosperous country. It's wonderful. How many you know it's wonderful to live in the United States of America? It's okay. It's great. We have... There's just incredible blessing. If you've been on a mission trip and, you, and then you've seen the showers and the bathrooms, then you, you come back home and you say, thank you, Jesus. This is, this is good. So there, there is a, a prosperity and a blessing that you and I have, not that we have to be ashamed of, but we do have to give account for. There's a walk of stewardship that we are going to answer for God for what He's put in our hands. And so Joseph, we see this from his life, and really, it's not just a test of stewardship. Really, it is a test of who is first, who has preeminence in our hearts, in our lives. So Joseph is in this place where God's walked him to a place where the circumstances of his life has changed. But does his desperation and his view of God change as those circumstances change? That's the question that is answered by the prosperity test. And it's, you know, it's different for you and I. We, we have things like this. My, my first job, uh, I was 12 years old. And the, the first job I had was, was a, there was a guy in my dad's church that had a woodworking business where he would take the trim from new houses and he would sand and stain and go through this process with them. So my first job at 12 was sanding wood. All day I would sand wood. And it was, it was great. And I remember my first paycheck, I think it was 126 bucks. And I thought, I've made it. I, I have so many dreams. Just take me somewhere. I, I need to spend this. And my parents began to walk me through an element of the prosperity test saying, son, there is a principle in the Word of God we see from Genesis to Revelation called tithing. Let me talk to you about that. And I said, tithing, but, but I have so many dreams that I want to do. And there was a test of who had preeminence, who was first in my heart, You see, God doesn't set this up in a way that's easy for us. I think some pastors are like, man, Lord, why'd you put the Scriptures on tithing? Why is Malachi 3 in the Old Testament? Why didn't you have that in Matthew? Because then it'd be too easy for us. And God wants to go to our heart and say, I'm about your heart. The decisions that you make come from your heart and not you reading and checking a list of things that are blatant and open, so just to finish that story, I, I tithe and then I bought my first pair of Jordans. They were six. If, you, you're, if you're a sneakerhead and you wonder which Jays they were, they were the, the, the six. And so that was my first. Holes in the tongue. It was just awesome. It was great. But there's so many directions that we can, we can look at from the life of Joseph, and we could talk about how he stewards the time of blessing, seven years of incredible blessing, And we could talk about how he led an entire nation in living beneath their means. We could talk about how he taught an entire nation how to save and not just spend. But really the foundation of all of that good fruit that came out of him was this principle, the principle of first. And there's some little elements that we see that Joseph never left the the, the place, the posture, the perspective of saying, God, You are first. Everything in my life will point to You. I'm not going to get this confused. It wasn't confused when I was in the prison. It's not going to be confused when I'm in prosperity. So he gets married and he's having kids. Listen to what he names his kids. His first son was named Manasseh, which simply means For God, the beginning of it, for God, pointing to God, has made me forget all my toil in my father's house. God has made me forget. God, I'm worshiping you with this blessing that you've given me. I'm pointing back to you and say this about you. His second son was named Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And then we have this little note in verse 26 of of chapter 47, where we see he institutes this law in Egypt, a pagan land, verse 26, says, Joseph then issued a decree still in effect, in the land of Egypt that Pharaoh should receive one-fifth of all the crops grown on his land. Only the land belonging to the priest was not given to Pharaoh. In a pagan land, in a pagan uh, worship, and, and around that, Joseph still instituted a godly principle. He set aside land and said, this land is set aside to honor God. You know how we know this? We know this from the children of Israel. As they go into their land, the same practice continues. Land set aside for the priest. Set aside a statement of saying the worship of God is is first and, and, and preeminent. This is set aside for God. This isn't for anyone else. This is for God. You know, I like to think of this scenario of, of, of a Pharaoh down the line going, hey, why am I getting why am I not getting kickbacks from this land over here? Well, where did that come from? And then them going back and say, well, we went through the records and there was this Hebrew slave and he said, Hebrew slave. What? what how did this happen? Because someone said, I'm going to honor God in everything that I do. The blessing of God in my life is not about me. It is pointing back to Him. This is the prosperity test. Anna and I have had so much fun like t- trying to teach our kids this. And so they have uh, uh, some things that, that they can do around the house to be good teammates. And we've given them three jars apiece. And um, sometimes they get allowance. The, the biggest thing that, that takes from their allowance is when I open the van door to clean it. And I view the depreciation that has happened. (laughs) And I die a little inside every time. And so they know now your allowance will suffer if you leave your junk in the van. But at certain points, they do get allowance. And so we've walked them through this process of, of saying, hey, in this statement of blessing, what statement are you making that God is first? And so we talk about tithing. We talk about this principle, and a lot of believers get tithing, not just in a wrong definition, but in an incomplete definition. It's incomplete if we just view it as 10%. Tithing is is not just 10%. Tithing is the first 10%. It is this place and principle in my heart that, God, you are first. And the blessing of my life will reflect that. As mentioned earlier, we see it from Genesis to Revelation. The the first just blatant statement of this that we see is in uh, Genesis chapter 4, when Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. And in the worship of God, it says that Cain brought some of his crops. He was a farmer. It wasn't that he was a farmer. That wasn't the part that was displeasing to God. It just says that he brought crops to offer to the Lord. What he did is said, hey, I think this is good. I think this should be acceptable to God. So God, I'm going to bring what I think is acceptable to you for worship. Abel said, God, you want the first. He took the first of his flocks, brought and sacrificed a lamb in worship to God. It was the separation, not of amount, not of what it was, but the separation of it being the first from one, and just part of the harvest from the other. So as Anna and I walk the kids through this, we've given them three little buckets, three little jars that they they have. One is to sow. So separate from the tithing, they know that, hey, the first 10%, it goes to God. Then they have three little jars. First says sow, so they know, hey, when this comes in, I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, is there something that you want me to do with this? It might have given offering. It might have blessed someone. And so they have a sew jar. The second jar is the save jar. And it, isn't it funny, like when you raise your kids and how some of them you, you see the savers and the spenders? It's funny. So you got sow, you got save, and then you got one that came right from their daddy's heart is shoes. So you got save. <laughs> So, and shoes, because God, He blessed, he doesn't, He's not against us enjoying our lives. He came to give us everlasting life. If you're not having fun being a believer, then, then you need to check yourself, because it is a blast serving and walking with Jesus. So these are, these are the buckets that they know that they, they bring to the Lord, and I think the third jar, I wanted it to be shoes, because I'm a sneakerhead, but... I think it should say Legos because that seems to be a hall that that fills our house right now. But these stewardship principles must come from the prosperity test being settled in our heart. Who is first? Who is on the throne? Who does the blessing of our life point to? That's the first test. The second test is the pardon test. And we're going to walk and see how how the Lord connects these two. I want us to pick up in Genesis chapter 50, verse verse 15, and we're we're fast-forwarding, and and again, these are not instances, these are uh, instances of a test, these are the results of this test being passed in the heart of Joseph. And so the pardon test, this is verse 15, Genesis 50, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. If you missed the first part of this story, his brothers intended to kill him. They were jealous of him. He was a little immature. It bothered him. They wanted to kill him. When the oldest talked them out of killing him, they simply sold him into slavery. So there, there's a little bit of family drama <laughs> to be worked through here. Verse 16, So they sent messengers... They didn't even go themselves. They sent messengers to Joseph saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brother and their sins, their brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, We are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. Then he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, this message that the brothers send, I want to submit to you, I believe that this is an absolute lie and fabrication that never happened from the voice of their father. Jacob, when he was dying, he was in the land of Egypt. God had had, had seen this family to a place where Jacob and Joseph were restored, and their their fellowship was back, and, and they were together again. Joseph got to spend these special moments bringing his sons before his dad, and Jacob blessed his sons. Beautiful moments that Scripture records. Scripture never records what the brothers send to Joseph. And I I see this as them coming together going, hey, Dad's not here, so our protection is is not going to be there. Now He's going to come after us. So we better do something here. So let, let, let's, let's write a letter to him here. Let's put it together. And let's say that dad on his deathbed, right before he died, with his dying breath said, I beg you, Joseph, forgive your brothers. This is the first instance that we find in Scripture, the word forgive. Isn't it interesting that it's in the middle of family drama? We laugh and we know that because we all know family drama. Why? Because the the enemy loves to... This is his favorite place of division. He loves to divide families. And so it's in this place that we find the first request of forgiveness within a family. It says that Joseph weeps there. and, And I don't believe he's weeping just because of the sadness of the moment. I don't believe he's weeping just because his father is now passed. I believe that he's weeping because he recognizes, I have to forgive the ones that have done evil towards me and have never changed. He is dealing, his heart is dealing with the fact that the manipulators are still the manipulators. He's having to wrestle with this. You see, the pardon test is not just reserved for those that have done wrong against us and recognize it that come to us and say, hey, I was really wrong for what I said to you or what I've done to you. Will you forgive me? That's not the pardon test. The pardon test is, can I still extend forgiveness even when they don't say it, when they don't mean it, and they're the same people that they've always been? Will I still choose to release them? See, God has intended and He has built our hands He's built our lives to be carriers of his gifts, his goodness, his blessing. And I want to submit to you, your hands, your life cannot hold the dreams, the destiny that God has for you if they are filled with unforgiveness. You won't walk into it. You won't see it because your hands are clenched in a place that they were never created for. There's three steps that, that I just want to lead us to in, in, in how we deal with the pardon test. The first is we have to release it. you got to release them. you got to release and go, I, 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 can't, I cannot hang on even in the face of an ongoing offense. And we, we know these things. I, and I just want to remind you, forgiveness is not a bomb that you just say, I forgive them, and boom, it's done. Heart clean. It's, it's a ground war. It's a ground war that we walk out day after day until the process of God is complete in our lives. See, it's not just that we release them, but it's who we release them to. So we release them, but we release them to Jesus. And I just want to remind you that the justice of God is not a passive place. And by living in this life, you and I will experience times where justice is falling flat on its face and is incomplete, unmet unmet expectations again and again and again. If your faith is in the judicial system to speak justice to us, you will be severely disappointed. If your faith is in a man or in a system that justice will be provided, you will be severely disappointed. But if your faith is in the just one, you will not be disappointed. Releasing offense, releasing those that have offended to Jesus is not releasing to a passive place. It is not releasing hurt into an empty vacuum and it's just out there and maybe something will happen with it. No, no. The just one sees and holds justice in his hands. The key that we see that Joseph passed this test is in verse 19. He says, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? You see, what, what, what unforgiveness does when we hang on to it, it fills our hands with this desire and this need to prove our cause, prove to everyone that we are right, we are just, when the reality is you and I are not just. It places us in a place that's only reserved for God. you and I we are not just. Now I know there's some oversaved ones that are thinking like, wait 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 wait. I know some scripture on this. maybe they're just online but there can be a response to say, no, 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 I, I know that, that because of Jesus, no, because of Jesus, you and I have been justified. It doesn't mean that we are now the just one. It means that we simply have been justified. God alone holds justice and He has not loosened His grip. He does not fail in His justice. He is not passive in justice for the people that release it to Him. And He tells His people in Leviticus 19, He says, do not take vengeance into your hands. You must release it to Me. This definition of of forgiveness is the first time that we see it, it means to absolve fully, release from penalty. You know, Many of us can can struggle with this, and if you struggle with this, it, it just simply means you're human. And we know the place. You ever been in that place where someone's done something to you, and and you you run through this scenario of your mind of what you want to say to them, or if we're real honest, the scenario of what you would do to them. Is it just me? <laughs> I was thinking this week in in preparation, the Lord took me back to a time where I I literally couldn't sleep. And this scenario was running through my head again and again and again of, of what I would do and what I would say to this individual that was continually reaching out with offense and if it's running in your mind, then, then it doesn't matter what you say with your mouth. If it continues to run in your mind, then my friend, you have not released it. And there is a step of forgiveness that the Lord wants to walk you to. You know how I know that, that it, it, if it's running in our mind, then it still is, is going and it's still working in us? is because God does not let your sins and my sins run through His mind. David said in Psalm chapter 103, verse 10, he said, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins far from us as the east is from the west. Your sins are not running through the mind of God. And the step for us to be able to to pass the pardon test and extend forgiveness even in the face of continuing offense is a refreshing place of realizing how we have been forgiven. You know, we say it in the Lord's Prayer. It's one of those things that we learn and we say, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And we are praying this measurement. God, may I forgive as you've forgiven me. And then we get an offense and we are like, oh, I, I don't know that I meant <laughs> I don't know that I meant to pray that the way that I did. Mm-hmm. You and I have had the grace of God take the sin, the unclean place of our life and transform it in the blood of Jesus. God is the only one. And I I don't mean to belittle. I'm not making light of the trauma and the things that you've walked through. I just want you to know God's hand on justice is not loose. And releasing the offenses, releasing those that have done wrong, definitively been in a wrong place in what they've done to you, releasing them is not releasing them to a passive place. God wants to meet you in that. He wants to remind you how you have been forgiven. The connection between these two, do you know that Jesus connects our ability to give? Our ability to be able to stand and say, God, you are first. He connects that. He connects the ability and the call on each one of our lives that our hands will be filled with His gifts and His blessings so that others would receive them. He connects that to whether or not we have dealt with the pardon test. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice, if you're given at church, He says, Presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. See, the Lord connects this place of giving that He's called us to. He connects this place of preeminence that He alone can have in our life. He connects that to the way that we choose or not choose to forgive The wrongs that fill our life. See, He can't just be in preeminence in one area. He's God. He's not going to take second place in any part of our lives. And our walk with Him is a walk of, of realizing, okay, God, for you to be in preeminence, I must release this individual to you. I must release what's been done to you. Now here's the beautiful thing that I want us to see. You don't have to be the first one to do this. Because God was the first one to do this. I want you to to see this. In Exodus chapter 13, the principle of first continues. And God is speaking to His people through Moses. And He gives this principle of, of how the first belongs to Him. And this is what He says in Exodus 13. Verse one, he says, and the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born, both of humans and animals belongs to me. And as it continues, and we're going to read because God knew that the way that we live our lives with him at the forefront, with him on the throne, that it was going to cause some conversations in the families it was going to cause some questions. It was going to cause some discussions to come out. And, and Anna and I have seen this. You know, one of my favorite instances, there was a, a time at a, at a service where uh, this guy came up to me, and we were talking before service, and and he he said something about the boots I was wearing. And he was like, hey, man, I, I love those boots. I've been looking for boots like that. And so I just said, well, what size do you wear? And he said, my size. And I said, all right, let me get through service after church. You can have my boots, I'll give them to you. And one of my daughters was standing with me, and she, as soon as I said that, she goes, No, Dad, don't do that. Those are your favorite. <laughs> right in front of him. And so then later, we had this, this wonderful conversation. And I've had this conversation with, with my older two children of, of explaining to them, there's a reason that, that mom and dad live the way that we live to the best of our ability, far from, pure, from perfect. But there's a reason that, that the heartbeat of our family is to please God. And that's because, and, I, and I've told my daughters this, we give the way that we do, we live the way that we do, because daddy hasn't forgotten when his heart didn't look the way that it does now. Your dad hasn't forgot what it was to have a cold, dark heart that was filled with bitterness, unforgiveness that wasn't safe to have you as a dad. It wasn't safe to be able to be married to your mom and love your mom the way that God created her to be loved. Dad hasn't forgot what it was to be a slave to sin. I haven't forgot what it was to have myself on the throne leading my life and what resulted from that? See, these conversations should come up in our families, and God knew this, and so this is what He said: that the principle of first would lead to these conversations, and so He walked His people through it this way. Verse eleven says, "When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as He swore to you and your fathers, and you shall give it, and, and He shall give it to you." You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are male shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. This simply means God had deemed unclean and clean. And so He's saying, hey, even the unclean animals, they're still mine. The first is still mine. But the unclean must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. I hope you're getting ahead of me here. That the unclean, the unjust could only be redeemed by the spotless, sinless lamb. It says, every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? The Lord knew hey hey this conversation's coming your sons your family's gonna see and they're, they're gonna go hey dad well first after they, they they see what you do they may say I'm not gonna mess with dad but there's gonna be this time where they say dad dad we're in the shepherding business why are you sacrificing lambs so much why are you doing this the first time a lamb is born or the first time that a donkey is born why are you doing this why is this practice the lord said this is what you're to say to them by a strong hand the lord brought us out of egypt from the house of slavery For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. These dads would say, hey, son, we weren't always shepherds. Let me me tell you about our family. And there was a time where we were in slavery. We were in bondage. We didn't know the freedom and the blessing that we do now. But by a mighty hand, by a strong hand, God redeemed us. And that's why He's the first. That's why we give Him the first. That's why that we haven't moved him from a place and taken his place in judgment. We say, no, you're on the throne in every area of my life. I'm not going to hold this place from you. When we do this, our hands are filled with his gifts. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, he said, tell the people, he sent them out saying, tell the people the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out the demons. And then he says these words, For freely you have received, freely give. You and I are to be a conduit of the, of the goodness of God. You know, I had a moment with, with um, Sadie, who's seven. And our older two, we, we've had these conversations. They've been really special moments to, to be able to talk through these things. And this week I was, I was working on a project at the house, and Sadie came up and just asked me what I was doing, and I was really just preparing and just kind of going through praying over this weekend. And Sadie comes up, and she's like, Dad, what you doing? And, and I just kind of had this thought like, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this conversation with Sadie. And so I said, Sadie, have I ever told you about the time that, that how daddy's heart was, was, wasn't good, that I wasn't a godly man, I wasn't a good man, I wasn't safe to be your daddy? And she goes, what? No, dad. And so I'm like, oh, this, we're having a moment. Sadie and I, we're going to have this moment, have this conversation with Sadie. And so I, I, I'm continuing to work on this project. I was painting something, and so I'm, I'm just going, yeah, Sadie, Daddy's heart was not godly. It was not a good, a good heart. I needed God. And I look up, and she's gone. So I really hope to be able to come into this weekend and have a good, fresh story for you. But, but she ran off, and I was like, Sadie, we were talking. And she's like, that's okay, Dad. but but there'll be a moment where we do have that conversation. God's purpose for us, His destiny for us, is that the character of our lives would point to Him being on the throne. I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to simply ask you, what what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? There may be unforgiveness and situations that that are just continuing to torment your mind that you feel like is impossible to release. The Lord wants to encourage your heart today that, that, that He is with you, that you can release and you can trust That His justice is there and you're not releasing these situations to an unjust God. You're not releasing them to a vacuum. He wants to meet you in that. Maybe you're at a place that the habit, the, the character of your life does not point to God being on the throne and that the blessing of your life does not point to Him. I want us to respond to Him. I want to pray for You. And then we're going to open the altars and and have a time where you can come for prayer. I want to remind you, God's voice is not filled with condemnation. He doesn't shame us to get us to change. He simply invites us and says, I have so much more. What He has for you, the destiny that He has for you, is so much better, so much bigger than anything that you could write for yourself. So Lord, I thank You for every single one today. Lord, today, Lord, I'm not belittling what they've gone through. I'm not belittling the trauma. Lord, we are simply looking to You and say, God, this is our life. We want it to point to You. We want the character and the summation of our life to point to You being on the throne. And so Lord, I pray courage for every single one that, Lord, You are dealing with and that there's a step to take. Lord, thank You for the way that You meet us in these moments. You never forsake us. You never step out and say, okay, there You are. Now do it. Lord, You walk with us through every step. And so we look to You. And Lord, we thank You that that Jesus, the gift of God, the spotless Lamb was slain so that the unclean could be made clean. So that the unclean could be justified. Lord, that the unclean could be redeemed. And today, Lord, you invite us to your redemption. You invite us to what you want to do and what you want to speak in transforming our lives. So we respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? As you're doing that, I'm going to ask our prayer team to make their way to the front. Pastor Brandon is going to lead us in another song of worship. There's two responses. If the Lord's dealing with you, you don't have to wait to the conclusion of service. Pastor Brandon's going to lead us and then I'm going to come back and pray a blessing prayer over you. But if the Lord's dealing with you as we go into this song and, and worship, I want you to come forward for prayer. Our prayer team is here. We're going to remain here to pray over every single one. It could be connected to today. It could have nothing to do with today. It could just be a need that you walked in with, knowing that you just need someone to agree in faith that God would move in your life. So that's the first response. The second is just to worship Jesus. We're going to finish this thing right. We're going to finish this day right and point our hearts to Him and say, you alone are the just one. You alone are God. You alone are King. And you will rule and reign in our hearts. Pastor Brandon, would you lead us? Thank you, Lord. All right, I want you just to stay in that posture. I'm going to pray a blessing prayer over you. I just want you to know our altars will remain open. Our prayer team is going to remain here for anyone that wants to receive prayer. Father, I thank you for your blessing. God, thank you for the way that you draw us to you. And Lord, we worship you. We praise you for everything that you are. Lord, thank you for not leaving us where we were, but Lord, sending Jesus Lord, the spotless Lamb of God to transform our lives. And Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. I pray your blessing over every single one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, the altars will remain open. God bless you. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible you can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.